From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. 40 years ago, the South Australian town of Wyala had a population of nearly 40,000. Today, it's half that. The town's steelworks, one of the biggest local employers, has shrunk over the decades as Australia's economy adapted to global economic conditions. But now they're on the brink of collapse, threatening not just the town's livelihood, but thousands of jobs across Australia. Today, senior reporter for the Saturday paper, Rick Morton, on the billionaire from Bundaberg, the steel magnate from Punjab, and what their business deal means for Wyala. Rick, can you start by telling me about Sanjeev Gupta? Who who is he and how did he come to be involved in the Wyala Steelworks? So Sanjeev Gupta, he was born in Punjab in India into a wealthy family of industrialists. And in 2009, he got into the steel business, buying up plants in Africa and Asia. Um, And he had a real interest in these kind of legacy industries as well as renewable energy and, and ways to make it sustainable into the future. And in 2017, he bought the Wyala Steelworks, which was struggling again at the time. That's kind of a fundamental tension in Wyala is always wondering about the future because they are so reliant on the steelworks in this town. You know, they are a town of about 20,000 people in South Australia, about four hours northwest of Adelaide. And steel is their lifeblood, industry is their lifeblood. And at the same time, he kind of had these plans to buy Zen Energy from Ross Garno and, and create this massive solar farm north of Wyala to power the steelworks. And he kind of brought them all together under this big company, which is his uh, Gupta Family Group Alliance, the GFG Alliance. And the steelworks was losing hundreds of millions of dollars at the time, and Gupta seemed happy to wear those losses as he executed his vision for the plant, including constructing that 280-megawatt solar farm just north of Wyala to help power it. But now all of that is in jeopardy, and it's a pretty fascinating story in terms of how we got to this point because it involves a billionaire investor from Bundaberg and his ties to the owner of the steelworks, Sanjeev Gupta. And not only do Gupta's companies employ, you know, 1,200 people in Wyala, they employ 7,000 people across the country and the jobs of all of them are currently on the line. Okay, so tell me what happened, Rick. How has all of this come to, to be on the brink of collapse? So Gupta's company, the GFG Alliance, was being bankrolled by another company, the investment fund Greensill Capital. They were huge financial backers of GFG, and that's what allowed him to keep pouring money into the steelworks. So these two companies were very intimately connected in a financial sense. But last week, Greensill imploded. Okay, so this company, Greensill, it was bankrolling Gupta's plans for the Wayala Steelworks. But what exactly is Greensill's story? So for a long time, the company's owner, an Australian guy called Lex Greensill, was very happy to tell you his own version of this story, which was a a classic country lad made good kind of story. It is the story of a farmer who built a billion-dollar fintech. Founded by a Bundaberg farmer, Lex Greensill, his family are known for producing sugarcane and also sweet potatoes. Lex Greensill witnessed his parents struggle with delayed payment when he was growing up on the family sugarcane farm in Australia. He's, you know, the son of a farming family in Bundaberg, about five hours north of Brisbane, where they grew sugarcane and melons. And Lex was kind of brought up understanding very much that farmers relied on supply chains. So, so me, the defining moment was growing up 
on a on a farm, not getting paid promptly uh, for the the uh, uh, production that my my parents made, which meant that they couldn't afford to uh, to send me to university. And the fact that they had to deal with other suppliers um, in order to market their goods and get them into supermarkets and overseas. And uh, that kind of changes your perspective on the uh, on, on the world. Uh, I, I guess working capital is not really something that uh, that when you're a teenager you spend a lot of time thinking about. Um, but it caused me to do that. And that's when he kind of hit upon what appeared to be a revolutionary idea, although the concept is as old as human finance in general. And it was this idea that Greensill would specialise in what the business world calls supply chain finance. And supply chain finance is essentially recognising that businesses have to do business with each other. But, you know, if you're a small to medium enterprise in particular, which is what Greensill was talking about growing up on the family farm, often you were owed money by much bigger companies. And those companies had, you know, up to 90 days, 180 days to pay those invoices. And that really restricted you in terms of money, cash flow. You needed cash flow to make sure that you could pay your own workers. And so what Greensill decided to do was that he would step in as the middleman. And he would say, look, um, he would go to the big companies or anyone who owes money to their suppliers and say, I will pay the bill. If you give me a small discount, you can pay me back when the time is right. But what he did, and in finance this is fairly common, but he took the debt that was owed by these companies and he turned it into a security. So he securitised the debt. And that may sound a little bit gobbledygook, but the simplest analogy is that it's exactly what happened with subprime mortgages that spawned the global financial crisis. These were debts, they were bad debts, but they were repackaged by investment funds and they were made to look pretty good to other investors. And this works fine um, for a while with some caveats and, you know, the company had enormous success. The company has now provided funding of over $163 billion during 2020 on behalf of more than 10 million customers in 175... You know, Greensill had four private jets, including a $50 million Gulfstream, and in 2019, the company said that they engaged in $143 billion worth of financing. Congratulations on securing this financing. Um, how did this SoftBank investment then come about? Give us the, uh, the inside story. Well, SoftBank's mission is to, to invest in the number one player in each sector. Greensill and the way this kind of worked was he was really good, Lex Greensill, he was really good at making deals and bringing in people who were um, either really well-known or trusted. And in this case, he hired the former UK Prime Minister, David Cameron, um, as a special advisor. He was awarded the title of Commander of the British Empire, which is one of the country's highest honours. And at the height of his success, Lex Greensill was worth about $6 billion. And uh, it's, uh, it's been a tremendous ride, but I, I should say that it's been a ride that for me has been a 20-year journey as opposed to a, a kind of an overnight uh, one. 20-year journey, meaning there's been a lot to get to the point in order to be a successful founder like this. Exactly. But, you know, you make one big mistake in finance and that can vanish. And now he's basically penniless. Global financing firm Greensill has filed for insolvency in the United Kingdom and Australia. So what are the implications? Administrators were appointed both in the United Kingdom and back home here in Australia. And that threatens to create a ripple effect that could ensure Gupta's company is dragged down as well. They now need to find a new financier to keep to basically bankroll them to keep going. So there's roughly 7,000 Australian manufacturing jobs at stake here. We'll be back in a moment. 
The Every Moment Matters campaign provides accurate, evidence-based information and advice about alcohol, pregnancy and breastfeeding. It has been created by the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education and endorsed and funded by the Australian Government. Alcohol use during pregnancy can lead to Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, or FASD, a lifelong disability. So make the moment you start trying the moment to stop drinking. Visit everymomentmatters.org.au to find out more. This year, the Saturday paper celebrates 10 years as Australia's leading independent newspaper. In that time, it's built a peerless reputation for quality journalism, for telling stories that are ignored elsewhere. It's the essential account of the week in politics, culture and news. When you read the Saturday paper, you don't need to read anything else. Subscribe today from just $2.10 per week. Visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash subscribe. The Saturday Paper. The whole story. Rick, the collapse of Greensill is likely to have enormous consequences, including here in Australia. But can you tell me what exactly happened? How did a company that seemed, on paper at least, to be so successful unravel so quickly? Well, it, it turns out that Greensill was a very good salesman, but the actual business, you know, the operating model of his company was a lot more rubbery. And what he was doing was, you know, uh, as I said before, very similar to what happened with the GFC, and we all know how that ended. You know, he took the supplier debts and he rebranded them as investment funds, as financial instruments. And Greensill funds its purchases of invoices by packaging them into short-dated bonds that are then sold to investors such as banks, pension funds, even wealthy individuals. But, and this is the key thing, most of Greensill's business was tied up with just one company, Sanjeev Gupta's GFG. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I see where this is heading. Right. And, and you know, the Financial Times has reported already that about 60% of those loans issued by Greensill were made to the GFG alliance. And that started to raise alarm bells because an investment fund that is that exposed to the fortunes of one company is a huge, huge financial risk. And Credit Suisse, who had backed these products with a $10 billion investment fund, well, four different funds actually, worth $10 billion, suddenly was scratching its heads going, how the hell did we get in so deep with Greensill? And the moment they pulled those funds, they froze them and they said that they would not be taking any more you know, investments into it. Around the same time, Germany's financial supervisory authority was investigating Greensill's German arm called the Greensill Bank for what they described as accounting irregularities. And on March 3rd, just gone, the regulator filed a criminal complaint against Greensill Bank's management for suspected balance sheet manipulation and also announced an immediate ban on Greensill from selling any assets or receiving payments due to an imminent risk that the bank would become over-indebted. And basically, the regulator was worried that too much of Greensill's assets were tied up again in the same source, Sanjeev Gupta. Right. OK, so, Rick, because Greensill was so financially intertwined with Sanjeev Gupta's company, banks and insurers who supported them, they panicked and they pulled the plug. And that is what led the company to file for insolvency. And that, in turn, is now threatening Gupta's company and, and by extension, um, the town of Wyala. Yes. I mean, this, these things are long, cascading series of errors that, you know, affect uh, everything in turn. And and it's precisely that issue with Gupta's group. You know, around the world, there are about 50,000 jobs at risk just 
due to the Greensill collapse. It may well be a lot more, but this is mostly focused on the Gupta Family Group Alliance at the moment. Um, as we mentioned, 7,000 of those are in Australia. So it's causing really serious concerns here, particularly in Wyala, which has a history of this kind of existential dread because, you know, they have been here before and they've been bailed out at the last minute, but they're wondering, you know, how long can this run continue? Well, how long can it continue? How confident is Sanjeev Gupta of keeping his businesses afloat? Depends on which version of Sanjeev Gupta you read. So publicly, he's pretty optimistic. Um, He's a salesman also, and, you know, he's not panicking yet publicly. But one of the big credit ratings agencies has downgraded his credit rating to junk bond status, uh, suggesting there are really serious concerns about the company's long-term viability. So there are two different accounts happening here at the same time. And, you know, we're a decade on from the global financial crisis, but we're still in a situation where these enormous personalities, these strong salespeople can seemingly create these incredibly risky products, create this complicated web of international finance that the rest of us are beholden to. And they're encouraged, not not just the people who create these things, they're encouraged by people who ought to know better. And that's where the real damage is in this particular story, because most of the people who invested money in Greensill will get their money back by the looks of things, except for the equity investors or the equity shareholders at the very beginning. But most of the the hurt here comes from the fact that this was a solution that was backed by financiers and investment people and people who were meant to understand this system that was wobbly from the get-go, but those wobbles became more apparent with speed. And because of this, this system was allowed to grow the way it was, jobs, real jobs, People working in steelworks, in, you know, renewable energy um, were suddenly totally unbeknownst to them, reliant on this company that was founded on really soft sand and that was never going to stay structurally solid for very long. Um, Of course, it's all very easy to say that with hindsight. I didn't, I'd not heard of Greensill until two weeks ago and, uh, you know, some of the press they got along the way was incredibly glowing, all up until very recently when some of the... Uh, the veneer began to, to wear off, I guess. And that's where the real hurt is here. It's not about investors losing their cash, but in this case it's it's people, working-class, blue-collar, middle-income people who are getting absolutely trashed. Rick, thank you for your time today. Thanks so much, Ruby. From the Saturday paper comes The Food, a free weekly newsletter featuring curated recipes from some of the country's leading chefs, including Andrew McConnell, Otama Carey, David Moyle and Karen Martini. Cook what they cook by subscribing today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Also in the news today, the government has confirmed the rollout of the AstraZeneca vaccine will continue as planned. Some European countries are pausing their use of the vaccine due to reports of blood clots in people who've been vaccinated. But Chief Medical Officer Paul Kelly says he remains confident that the vaccine is safe and effective. And the Attorney General, Christian Porter, has signalled that he will delegate key parts of his job when he returns from leave on March 31. Porter plans to stay on in Cabinet, but his portfolio will be restructured so another minister can oversee the responsibility for courts while he undertakes defamation action against the ABC. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.